Hello there, and welcome into another edition of B-Shafe Daily, still live from West Palm Beach, Florida, as I've had some issues today, recording this very late at night, as it is nearly 11 p.m. on the East Coast, but had a long day at the ballpark as the Cardinals kicked off The first official day of spring training of full squad workouts that took place today at the facilities, the backfields at Roger Dean Stadium on the Cardinals side. And so I had a lot going on there. Got home or back to the Airbnb rather about eight o'clock and then I was sucked in and roped into the latest episode of The Bachelor Not sure if you people are watching that, but it is uh, very entertaining. Started watching it because of my wife. She would go over to, this is back when we lived in Texas, she would go over to a friend's house and watch it on a pretty regular basis. Back when, I guess last season of the show was The Bachelorette. They alternate between The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. So I always thought, okay, that's not ever going to be something I'm going to watch. But you kind of get sucked in a little bit, and it is really hilarious and entertaining, and so kind of fun too that people like to tweet about it and so I I fired off a couple of tweets and it lasts two hours the episodes are so long most shows that you watch only an hour long but The Bachelor two hours but that's fine but I got done watching that and then I settled in to start recording the podcast and I couldn't get my mouse to work I have like the cheapest mouse in the history of mice computer mice Uh, I got it at Walmart I think the brand is on O-N-N it's a wireless mouse. You plug it into the USB. It's complete garbage. Um, part, of, part of it is probably my fault because I lost the little bottom thing that clicks in to keep the batteries from falling out. But it's blinking. It's red. It's, you know, everything looks like it's working, and I just can't get the dang thing to recognize the cursor. So then I had to figure out on my, like, super old laptop how to get the actual trackpad to work. And so did some research. Finally got that going. Hopefully it doesn't fail me now as I'm in the middle of recording. And if I can't pause the recording, it'll just... I guess you'll hear what I have to say for the rest of the night, including while I sleep. But anyway, let's dive on into what took place today at Cardinals Camp. It was good. I think it was a good day. Uh, the, The sun got me a little bit. Forgot to put sunscreen on my arms. You probably don't care about that, though. Let's dive into kind of uh, the way the Cardinals approached the morning. A little bit of a delay today. Everything usually is kind of wrapped up around 11.30 or so Eastern time. They get started in the, the you know 9.30 range. You kind of can start to see some players trickle out of the clubhouse there right next to the backfields at Roger Dean. And guys will start going out to get their work in. Usually by 10 o'clock, we're talking, we being the media, are talking to Mike Schilt. And then we head out there for, you know, hour, hour and a half, two hours sometimes, maybe a little bit closer to 11.45 or noon, start to make your way back. I looked at my my, uh, phone while I was out there in the midst of it all, and it was 12.47, and I was noticing that I still was deep into the backfields. And it takes a while to walk all the way back. And so uh, we did that and then finally got back. Did the uh, the usual waiting around in the clubhouse for the players to eat lunch, shower, and what have you before getting to talk to some of them, and then made my way back to right. So I didn't actually leave, as I mentioned, until like 7.30, got back around 8 o'clock. 
And so part of that delay, though, today was because the Cardinals had their first day meetings and, you know, John Mozeliak would speak, Mike Schilt would speak, and Schilt revealed to the media this morning that another dignitary who spoke to the team as kind of a pep talk didn't really tell us what exactly was said, but the wizard himself, Ozzie Smith, was part of those uh, those festivities this morning as he spoke to the Cardinals and addressed the team before their first official workout of the 2020 season. So, you know, saw Ozzy around the facilities today. I did stop to ask him, and it was ridiculous, but I had some people on Twitter that had requested me to do so. So I had Alex ask me, and Alex uh, got, I hope I hope it was the answer he wanted to hear, because I asked Ozzy Smith, hey, I, I, I just got to ask you this. At any point in your life, were you able to successfully dunk a basketball? He said yes. Used to be able to dunk a basketball. Doesn't you know? Can't do it anymore. He has uh, you know some issues with his knees, I guess, that prevent him from being able to do that. But can dunk. And I told him he'd make a lot of Cardinals fans very happy by me being able to pass along that answer to them on Twitter. But saw Ozzy there today. Saw Mike Shannon was there today. Uh, Mr. DeWitt was there today. Everybody out there on the backfields watching. And one of the most interesting things that happened today was the matchup between Cardinals' top prospects and best buddies from back in their uh, Legion Ball days, or their Little League days, whatever the case was. Nolan Gorman and Matthew Libertor faced off today in the very first day of live BP where the pitchers are bringing it. There's no screen. There's no soft tossing in. It's not batting practice. It's live batting practice because the pitchers are trying to put one over on the hitters, and the hitters are trying to take one deep on the pitchers. And, and you know, both sides are competing. It's really the first instance of, you know, kind of a, a competitive activity. Other than the wall ball, the rag ball that took place yesterday, I wrote about that with Brian Eversgird, uh, the maniac and mad scientist of rag ball that he is, the Cardinals pitching coach. Go to KMOV to read that story if you haven't seen it yet. That was a fun one to write. But today was all about the prospects. Gorman and Libertor. And, you know, others taking BP, others others pitching. Can get into the Alex Reyes and the day that he had. Uh, he, he threw his first session of live BP today as well. Had some good mixed in with some bad. Certainly his pitch is moving well. But we'll get to him in a minute as I break down the battle of the 20-year-old Matthew Libertor and 19-year-old Nolan, Nolan Gorman today on the backfields. It was good. So uh, certainly this was something that was was premeditated and set up, asked for by these two players. were eager to get at each other on the first day of live batting practice. And early on, it looked like Gorman was maybe going to have the advantage as he uh, roped a, what I think would have been probably a single, unless you have Colton Wong playing second base, probably would have gloved it, but... Uh, a well-hit ground ball on the first pitch. And what's interesting is a lot of times on the first day, you know, and I remember this pretty distinctly last year, you see the pitchers in there for live BP, and, and you know, this is the first time that they're really really throwing their pitches and, and trying to execute against, you know, with a batter standing in. And I remember the first day of live BP last year, we really didn't see very much swinging going on. A lot of guys probably instructed not to swing, um, especially when it comes to certain pitchers, guys coming off injury. I remember in particular, I think Alex Reyes may have been one of those where they said, you know, not necessarily going to have 
guys swinging against him today. And some of the veterans wouldn't necessarily put swings on their tracking pitches in the first day. And then day two, day three, they might start to, to ease themselves in and, and, and take some hacks. Saw more swinging going on today. Yadier Molina, I shouldn't surprise anyone that he was swinging from day one in the box. Uh, because he, uh, you know, when it comes to an actual game, he swings at just about everything in sight. Definitely a guy who likes to swing and, and get going on the first pitch if he sees one he likes. And so that shouldn't come as a surprise to very many people. Um, but another thing that should be a surprise, Nolan Gorman was hacking away immediately upon stepping into the box against his buddy Libertor. And first pitch, grounded it to, to the second base side, or the first base side of second, I should say, and then fouled a couple back off the cage. And so Libertor was, you know, get, getting him close. It was a good matchup. But then, of course, you've got, you know, other batters kind of rotating in, taking their turns. So John Nagowski, a minor league first baseman, he spent the season with Memphis last year. And you go look at his numbers. John Nagowski had a pretty good season with Memphis, popped a few home runs, you know, good player. But again, he'll remind you of Jose Martinez in the fact that I believe he's now 28 years old, not not exactly a young player, a prospect by any means. But over the years, has just pretty consistently produced at the minor league level. And so Nagelski, um getting his chance to uh, to make an impression at spring camp. To me, he's kind of of the Chad Huffman ilk. You remember Chad Huffman from a couple of seasons ago, uh, the buddy of Matt Carpenter, who Cardinals you know, were in a pinch, needed, needed a bench bat, called him up, added him to the 40-man roster, and then called him right up. And then I think he was only here about a week before they designated him for assignment. And so, you know... It could go that direction where if uh, you know a guy gets their opportunity, doesn't make the the impression immediately necessary for uh, some longevity to that that uh, call up on the major league bench, then you know his time with the organization can come to its natural conclusion. Uh, especially you know you talk about guys in Memphis. There's a term organizational depth, and that matters. You know organizations need players to fill out their minor leagues that aren't necessarily prospects that you anticipate are, you know, on the fast track toward the majors. But then again, you also, these guys that are organizational depth that are in there and they're, they're putting the work into the minors, a lot of times organizations, it's a balance of wanting to respect the work that they put in. And, and if there's an opportunity that arises, give them that chance uh, for a cup of coffee at the very least at the major league level. But then there's the acknowledgement that if you do that, you know, you could end up losing that player to another organization. If you have to DFA him, put him on waivers. Um, I believe in Huffman's case, he was not claimed, but they just ended up releasing him. If I recall correctly, I could be wrong about that. But that takes place, and sometimes, though, you have these guys that are filling spots, and maybe you do have a top prospect. Say, for instance, Luke and Baker, who, of course, the big dude that, that we've talked about, young guy who uh, at Palm Beach last year had some okay numbers, but still has you know room to develop and pr- improve potentially. 2020 should be a big season for his development if he wants to uh, continue tracking toward uh, an opportunity at the major leagues, but just looks like a hitter, six foot four, something like 265 pounds, big blonde kid that uh, definitely carries a big stick with him when he heads to the plate. And so he could be at Springfield maybe potentially this year. If he has some success, could potentially get a look at Memphis by the end of the season. Um, that would be a pretty positive progression for him, but it's, I, I wouldn't count it as impossible if he's able to progress. Uh, but you could look down the line and say there's other guys. Harris Montero is another one who, as these guys progress, 
the 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 opening that will be required at the Memphis level for everyday playing time at first base, you know, would be required to to fit some of those guys in. And so this could be a year where Nagowski, if he has some good numbers, maybe they say, all right, we're going to give this guy a chance. If it doesn't go particularly well, maybe he goes the way of Chad Huffman. If it does, maybe he goes the way of Jose Martinez. You remember Martinez was, you know, it was a while before he got an opportunity. Cardinals were the first team to give it to him, and then all he did was hit. And then a couple years later, you know, didn't have a great season last year, but was still solid. And the Tampa Bay Rays saw the potential for for more positive uh, production at the plate from Jose, and he's part of a trade that that nets the Cardinals a, a top pitching prospect, left-handed pitcher Libertor. So, and I promise I'll get back into the matchup between he and Nolan Gorman in just a moment. But sometimes, when your stream of consciousness on this show, I have some notes usually, but today not really much. Just kind of going uh, as I recall the day's events, and I'd have more if it weren't for the darn computer issues and the mouse issues. But sometimes you get on a uh, on a track, and, and I felt like this was relevant to talk about, so we're we're bringing it up in the context of what took place today. But I bring up Nagalski and talk about him a little bit because I think he's a name to keep an eye on. That you could see if the Cardinals get into a pinch in June or something like that, and they they need somebody for a short stint to to help him out just to bat off the bench. Uh, you know, I could see Nagalski being that guy to get an opportunity. Of course, there'd have to be room on the forty man. Um, but just something to kind of keep an eye out, and don't be surprised if that were to take place. Um, Ron Hell Ravello is a guy that uh, probably would be f- filling the same role that Nagalski is in right now. So, you know, if something happens, Ravello makes a roster, but then gets injured, something takes place, and Nagalski's swinging it well at Memphis, that could be an opportunity for him. Uh, but he was in the same group today with Gorman, and as well as uh, Luke and Baker was in that group as well, facing off against Libertor. They had faced Alvaro Cejas, the young pitcher, right-hander that the Cardinals added to the 40-man roster this offseason uh, to protect him from the Rule 5 draft. I made the joke with Derek Gould earlier today as we watched Cejas uh, delivering pitches to Gorman and, and company that notably not on the Padres, Alvaro Cejas, because had the Cardinals not protected him, you know, it probably wouldn't have been the Padres this season. It would have been, you know, like the Orioles would have stuck him in their rotation or... Uh, the Pirates might have claimed him. But the, the Padres, of course, had done that with uh, Luis Perdomo out of, like, A-ball, which is might have been even high A-ball, but I think that's where basically where Alvaro Cejas was in 2019. And they did the same thing with Alan Cordoba, kind of a second baseman who ended up playing some outfield. They, they put these guys on their, their major league roster for a year, and just because they're a young player think they've got a potential to have a future but then after that year is up that you're you know mandatory to keep them on the roster for rule five and if you do uh then you know you then have those the the rights to that player for you know just just like any other normal player in your minor league system Uh, as long as they're on the 40 man of course but like in the case of alan cordoba i don't even think he's played beyond like high a or maybe double a in the years since they had him on the major league roster for one season, stuck in the outfield some. He, he, you know, was a guy off the bench for a team that was going nowhere, not trying to win games. And I don't know if he's panned out to anything, but certainly Luis Perdomo has been an arm at the major league level since that has contributed for the Padres. So the Cardinals didn't want to lose Sejas to whoever the tanking teams of 2020 were slated to be, and so they added him to the 40-man roster despite the fact that he has not pitched beyond high A ball. But he, he he was looking pretty good today. 
um, facing in against some of these guys. I think Gorman did get him for a home run or, or darn close to it. That was one of the longer balls I saw hit today in uh, any of the live BP. And I'll tell you, after we wrap up the conversation on Gorman and Libertor, who did hit a home run today off a pretty prominent name from the Cardinals pitching staff, the only home run I saw for sure that I know went out uh, was off the bat of this guy that we'll mention here in a few minutes. But as for wrapping up the conversation on Libertor and Gorman, Gorman actually got Libertor for a, a decent poke later in their session. It was a curveball, and I, I tweeted this out, and I also put it in my story for KMOV. Curveball that he hit uh, pretty well to right center field, but after the fact, he told me he got under it a little bit and, and was a pitch that he wanted to get all of, didn't quite get enough of it. But on the field, what Nolan Gorman had to say to his friend Libertor was, come on, the, the wind is blowing in, man. And that's what he kind of said, just in a fun way, that wind's blowing in was kind of the offhand comment that he made. And it was good between two buddies. And I really had to like, though, what Matthew Libertor said to me after I asked him in the clubhouse if he heard what Nolan Gorman had to say about the ball that didn't quite get out, but he put a good swing on. And here's what left-handed pitcher for the Cardinals, Matthew Libertor, had to say about that. I did hear him say it. Um, <laughs> I think every boy sitting there against me is blamed yeah. on the wind. Um, so I wasn't taking him too serious. But, sure. you know, he, he did track that curveball well, and yeah. I left it a little bit up, and he almost made me pay for it. But luckily, it's just good enough to get away with the pop-out today. Until so, next time, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> And so that was Matthew Libertor that you heard there talking about his matchup with his friend Nolan Gorman today. And it was just kind of funny to hear him, you know, in a lighthearted way, describe that, yeah, well, Nolan, every ball he hit off me, he said, was knocked down by the wind. So I wasn't paying that guy much attention. Uh, just just a good example of uh, the relationship they have. And, and, you know, they're competitive guys. They, they want to get the best of each other when they go out there. But... Uh, good to see they were able to have a little bit of fun with it too. Like, and they both said it's been like two years or whatever since they faced each other, which was back in high school, their senior year. And I even looked up the box score of what the last game might have been. It was like April of 2018, just a few months before both of them were drafted in the first round um, by Tampa Bay and the Cardinals, respectively. And Gorman actually went 0 for 3 in that game, according to Max Preps which I, I believe is p- pretty reliable because they had some some pretty full, in, insightful stats uh, in, in the box score of that game. Libertor got the win for his team, if you're curious. Two to one game, he pitched five and a third innings, gave up one run, just two hits. And Gorman didn't get him that day, so I figured he, he came into the he, uh, the day with a little bit of something to prove. Libertor had kind of the bragging rights uh, of, of historical significance in the last time they faced each other. But fun to hear from Libertor, and Gorman had a good time with it, too, when I talked to him. Uh, there was one instance, too, and not to you know, make it look like uh, it, it was a little one-sided one way or the other. I think it was a pretty even matchup, and both the guys said so. But there was one pitch that was pretty impressive, uh, breaking ball by Libertor, kind of in the dirt. But, you know, that's exactly the kind of pitch you want as a pitcher if you can get the guy to chase. And that's what Gorman did, uh, kind of went halfway, checked his swing, I asked him afterward if he went around. He said he admitted that he did. Um, said it was a good pitch by Libertor, um, but that he he did he did not successfully check his swing. I said I didn't know. I was going to ask your opinion and, and see if you would admit what you thought had happened. But since there was no third base umpire uh, to which to appeal, 
Uh, I just had to take his word for it. But that they both had a good time. Both had a pretty relatively even matchup, so that was cool to see. The other takeaway for me from camp today, uh, besides talking to Paul Goldsmith after the fact, which uh, I think he had some really insightful quotes, uh, very thoughtful guy, thoughtful speaker, Paul Goldsmith. And the, the main topic around this team right now is how are they going to improve their offense for the 2020 season. But interestingly enough, I, I found – Goldsmith to have a pretty you know good answer for at least the way he and his teammates are going to try to accomplish that uh, and I found that through kind of starting by talking about you know what they did defensively last year and with what I've noticed you know and that was a positive element of this team in 2019 had six gold glove finalists Colt Wong took home the gold glove and so that was certainly a, a, an element of this team that they focused on improving after a, a porous 2018 with a lot of errors given up uh, they were worse in Major League Baseball that season in errors. Last year, they committed the fewest errors across the game of baseball. And so that, you know, distinctive, definitely targeted performance to improve in that area was successful. Uh, and it's not something that the Cardinals are resting on. And you can read about that in the work they've already put in, even before Monday in the first day of practices that were mandatory. Uh, I, I noticed out on the backfields on Friday something that was going on with them working on it. And I've, t- I've talked about this already on the podcast, some of the work they're putting in with Jose Okendo. Definitely would love to have you read that story on KMOV.com or the Baseball STL app. And you can find a link to that on my Twitter feed. Uh, the, the, the main picture of that story is uh, Paul Goldsmith talking with Matt Carpenter. So if you see that one on my Twitter feed, give it a look. Definitely an interesting story for KMOV that I was able to do some research and reporting on today. But besides that, what I noticed back out on the fields, Alex Reyes, definitely uh, you know a a interesting guy to follow as he's kind of had some of the pressure relieved from him, where he's not uh, you know in a position now where he's being considered as someone that the Cardinals are going to rely heavily upon. They're kind of. They let him take this offseason in the direction that he wanted, take the pressure off, say, look, it hasn't worked, whatever we've done for you, the rehab and trying to get you back from injuries, it hasn't worked for us yet. We know you're probably in a mental state that you'd prefer to be able to do your own thing. So the Cardinals gave him that freedom and said, we're going to trust you to run your offseason, be at home with your family, but to show up to spring camp rocking and rolling and ready to go. And from what I can tell, Alex Reyes has been that. Uh, certainly, I was able to stand behind uh, Avon Herrera today as he was the catcher for uh, Alex Reyes as they warmed up on the side before heading out to the field. Uh, got got a really good video, I thought, of of him breaking off and snapping off some some curveballs to Herrera today. I had to shoot it through the little screen behind the fence, but I I, I kind of held my phone up there and I said, you know what, people would probably love to see this, so if I can just find a darn way to get it close enough where you can see the movement of the baseball and Cardinals gifts was able to uh, kind of do a, a, a trail gif of one of the throws of a curveball that Alex Reyes threw to Herrera in the bullpen today. So uh, I guess it was good enough for that, that it was good enough to see and hopefully people enjoyed that. And if you haven't seen it again, that's posted to Twitter at B Schaefer 12. But after they got done in the side session in the bullpen, they went out to the fields and Alex Reyes started facing hitters face Matt leaders first and I believe Weeters was from the left side at the beginning of this. And there was one curveball that he snapped off, kind of a breaking pitch. I, I don't know if it was a cur- looked like a curveball, but whatever the case was, Weeters did not offer at it. 
and I don't know if it was him that said it, but somebody, either Weider said it himself when he turned back to the guys watching behind the, the screen in the cage at home plate, or one of those guys had said it, but you could hear a couple of laughs, and somebody said, it's too early for that. As in, like, it's too early in spring camp. Like, this is literally day one, and I'm looking at, you know, this nasty breaking pitch from Alex Reyes. I shouldn't have to deal with this on day one. It was kind of the joke uh, that that went on with uh, Matt Weeders facing Reyes. But the guy that got him was Brad Miller, newest Cardinal. Again, a guy that I, I, I'm kind of high on, interested to see how he'll perform. Uh, Alex Reyes get, served up a home run to Brad Miller, the left-handed hitter. And that was the one home run that I saw happen today with, with certainty that I knew it went over the fence. And it was Brad Miller that got him. So keep an eye out. And, and I don't want, you know, it, it's interesting when you talk about these these matchups in live BP. If you're a Cardinals fan, you're like, okay, I don't know whether to be really excited that the guy hit a home run off him or kind of worried because it's Alex Reyes and I want him to do well. And then I don't want to hear about him serving up home runs. I want to hear about him causing swings and misses, uh, which Harrison Bader had one against Reyes. Um, I hated that this happened for Bader because I do think Bader's put in a lot of work this offseason, and I do tend to believe he's going to show some improvement at the plate in 2020 based off of where he was last year, hit 205, was known for chasing those sliders. That's all the Atlanta Braves threw him in the NLDS, and so not a lot of success, a high degree of, uh, degree of success for Harrison Bader, but I he did on the first pitch that Reyes threw him ball in the dirt breaking pitch swung through it and so kind of like oh man like I was recording this and I put it out there on Twitter I wasn't trying to like make Bader look bad it's just what happened to have happened on the first pitch some didn't get full video of all of his swings but Bader had some good cuts against Reyes good cuts against some of the other pitchers uh looked fine out there today we'll see obviously when we get into games that'll be the real the real test to see how Bader's work that he's put in into his offseason is going to translate into what happens in the batter's box on the field in 2020. But it was definitely one of those moments where I was like, of course, you know, he swung through that that pitch that was definitely one he needed to lay off of. And I think there was a concerted effort from Reyes, to be honest with you, that was planned, you know, whether that's that's coaching or him and Yvonne Herrera getting together and say, hey, when you're facing Bader, we're, we're going to test him with these sliders and these off-speed pitches and, and try to get him to chase because you want to practice like you play in a game. And if you know the scouting report on Bader, that's what it was last year. Uh, but I will give Bader credit. He, he he held off from swinging on several of those kinds of pitches that were that were borderline or, or that, that, you know, looked like they were going to be strikes but then bounced at the plate or, you know, near or around the plate before getting caught by Herrera. So I think he had a fine day out there. And it'll just we'll just have to wait and see how how things develop before making any real declarations about what his 2020 is going to look like. But did want to share that Brad Miller got Reyes, so uh, buy Brad Miller stock, I guess. If, especially if you're you're of the mind that Reyes is somebody who could contribute uh, at, at a meaningful level in 2020. Cardinals aren't counting on him for that. I, I don't think they're they're applying any pressure for him to be able to do that. But uh, you know he he's still in camp according to Mike Schilt as a starter. Uh, I don't think that's going to ultimately be the route that he'll go, even if he does stay healthy through this camp. I think the Cardinals would would probably try to insert him as a weapon into their bullpen. Um, hopefully, you know, two years ago I would have said Alex Reyes needs to stick as a starter. I know they like to take some of these guys who throw hard. You know, Jordan Hicks, they converted him to a reliever because they saw 104-105 and said... 
that's going to play as a closer. We could totally use that. He's This guy doesn't have a future for us as a starter. Whereas I said, even still, I understand how great Hicks can be as a weapon, as a closer. But I said, look, the most value is as a starter. That's just the fact of the matter. If you if you can throw for six or seven innings at a time, it's much more valuable than even if it's the most important inning of a game, be it the eighth or the ninth when the game's on the line. I think I'd rather have these guys as starters if they can manage it. I think that ship has sailed for Hicks. Even when he comes back from Tommy John, he's going to be a reliever. I think he's going to be locked into that role, not only with the Cardinals, but for you know wherever he may go for his career, he's probably going to be of, you know, people look at him as a Chapman-type flamethrower at the back end of a game. That's just the way it is. I, I said a couple of years ago, I don't want Reyes to be locked into that role, pigeonholed. I'd love to see them be able to keep him as a starter. Obviously, things have changed since then where – you know, he's simply at this point, beggars can't be choosers. Let's just get the guy on the field and see what happens. Just keep him healthy. But I think if the Cardinals do want to see an impact from Reyes early in this season, the quickest way to do that is out of the bullpen. But I'd be okay with it being, you know, as a long reliever to potentially leave that door open for later in the year. I think it's an important spring for Reyes, and that goes without saying, but not only for just the development of his career and making sure he can stay on the field, but like, okay, if that happens, let's go ahead and, and take a little bit of a leap and assume that he does stay healthy. It would be kind of a bummer, I think, to, to have him pigeonholed into a relief role. But on the other hand, you could look at that and say, all right, especially after Jordan Hicks presumably makes his way back from Tommy John, you could have him throwing over 100. You could have Reyes, if he's able to get back, throwing you know at least upper 90s, mid to upper 90s. And he's hit triple digits, did so back in 2016 when he appeared as a reliever for the Cardinals in September. You'd have him back there. Uh, you know, do not overlook Giovanni Gallegos and what he can bring to the table. And Ryan Helsley is another guy who, right now, as a starter, but potentially if they move him to that bullpen role, he's a guy who hit triple digits last year as well in relief. So you could have some flamethrowers, and then you know you got guys like Andrew Miller, John Brevia, who you know don't necessarily throw quite as hard, but they have their their particular style that I think would give Mike Schilt a whole lot of you know different looks that he can use and really be able to exploit matchups out of that bullpen. So Cardinals don't know who their closer is going to be yet, but I think you've got a lot of really, really good options, even if Carlos Martinez returns to the rotation, that you can look at and say, I think we're good here. I don't know who the guy's going to be, but I'm confident in who it can be uh, because I know that, that it's coming from one of these guys in this, this group of you know five, six, seven arms that you you know, you know trust and you, you feel like uh, can, can really compete at a high level. And so excited to see how that kind of competition unfolds throughout the spring and that's still something that I've been working on haven't written about it yet but uh, we'll certainly do so as uh, the competition heats up and we get into games and get to see you know okay who is Mike Schilt leaning toward for that role and and does that guy end up seizing it and and taking advantage of his opportunity remains to be seen how that'll work out but excited uh, to potentially see how that goes gonna wrap things up here for this evening Uh, appreciate you guys for sticking with me if you're listening on Tuesday morning or a different day, whenever, later in the day on Tuesday, um, hopefully this podcast is able to get out to you guys. Uh, apologize for not having it sooner on Monday. It was just one of those days. I'll work in the future to try and get them out a little bit earlier so we can stay on a more consistent schedule. Have been doing pretty good for the, the first three weeks of the podcast. Going to try to continue it as we go along so we can keep the momentum up. Definitely, if you've not subscribed so far and you're finding that you enjoy the show and would like more Cardinals content like this as the season progresses, and believe me, when we get into the regular season, it's going to be all the time breaking down games, breaking down moments from games, giving you clips uh, live from the clubhouse, 
uh, pregame, postgame, those kinds of things, can add those clips into the show so you can hear from the players and the relevant parties within the St. Louis Cardinals. So if you're enjoying things, we'd love to have you subscribe. You can find me, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your audio content. I can pretty much bet that we're going to be there. And if we're not, send me a DM and I'll try to find a way to make it happen because I, I, I want anybody and everybody to be able to listen if they so desire. Appreciate you for sticking with this episode of B-Shape Daily, and we will talk to you tomorrow from Cardinals Camp.